0: Okay, well, all the wee ones are out of the church. Let's start together this morning with a word of prayer. So let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for all the good things that you've provided for us, God. And Lord, we're thankful for the fact that you have sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins. So we didn't have to face the penalty of death, face the penalty of hell. Lord, I ask you now as we spend this time in your word, Lord, that Your um, uh, will would uh, be glorified. Lord, that You would be glorified. Uh, That we would, as Christians, be willing to surrender to those things that You've given us to do. Lord, I pray that we, as Christians, would not forget that our life on earth here is short. Lord, uh, it's evidenced by many people that we've lost or uh, seen go. But Lord, help us to remember that uh, the time that we do have should be spent in serving you. And Lord, I pray that we would not take this time for granted, but instead we would be efficient, willing, Lord, only uh, to do those things that please you and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I uh, read a story this morning about a uh, a British commander on a ship um, that had given himself, he had defeated the French, which, nothing new, the French he had beat all the time. But he had defeated a French uh, captain. And he went over, and the captain, he had gotten dressed up in all his regalia, and he had all of his medals on, and, and of course, dangling at his side was his sword. And as he went to surrender to this commander, British commander, Uh, He went to go shake his hand and say, I surrender. And the British commander looked at him and said, your sword first. Your sword first. And the reason he said that is because he had one thing in mind. Until you are completely surrendered, you will not have anything else to fight back with. When we as Christians take the idea of surrender and we really concentrate on the fact that God has given us Uh, That ability to completely surrender. But we sometimes hold back all the things that we fight against God with. We sometimes take the very things that God has given us as tools to be able to defeat Satan. And sometimes we use those same tools to try to turn our backs on God. And I want to talk about this morning is who are you surrendering to? Who are you surrendering to? I know everybody in here understands the word surrender. If I were to ask, if the young people were up here and I would ask them, what does surrender mean to you? Some of them would stand up and say, well, that means I need to give over to something or someone. Surrendering is as an important part of your life as anything else. You have to surrender every day. You have to surrender to the will of the police every day. When you get up in the morning, uh, hopefully most of you, you get in the car, you turn it on, and what do you put on Click. Right. Put on the seatbelt. What did you just do? You surrendered to the will of the state. You traveling down the road. What do you do? You try to keep under the speed limit, don't you? Some of you don't. I know some of you are speed demons. But well, you driving down the road to keep it under fifty five or sixty five, whatever the speed limit is. Forty five, thirty five. Why? You're surrendering to the will of what? The state. The state says you need to make sure that you only travel so fast. Oh, I'm sorry to mention this, but April 15th is going to come around here, my friend. What happens on April 15th? Tax time, doesn't it? And what do we do? We, oh, some of us like it because we're actually getting money back. Other people, they get their tax form, they go, what? I owe this much money? Right? And we say, oh, man, but what are you doing? You're surrendering to the will of the federal, uh, United States of America. They say you have to pay so much money. But some people, as Christians, they surrender to a certain subject. They subject themselves to, a hot, to somewhat of a power that they shouldn't have. There are steps to surrender to certain things. I mentioned the state. I mentioned the federal government. Your children should surrender to your will, right? Their goal should be when they get up in the morning, they should want to listen to you, right? I know. <laughs> all your children are angels. They all listen to you, correct? Oh, I don't see an amen out of that. Huh? Oh, fallen angels? Okay. But you know what? You, you ask your child to do something, and when they do it, they are what? They are surrendering to your will. When you come to church and you hear God's Word preach, what do you do then? Do you surrender to it? Or do you oppose it? Do you take God's will and say, you know what? It's just up for grabs. Anybody can do it. Or are you fully surrendered to the will of God? And this is something that I think that God's dealt with in my heart in the idea of surrender. Surrender is not just something uh, that you know, a person that goes into full-time ministry does. You know, I stood up here not too long ago and I talked about the idea of me surrendering to the call of God. But really, surrender is something that you do on a day-to-day basis that says, I am going to be under the subjection of a higher power. I am going to put myself under the will of someone else. One of the things that people do today is they surrender to the will of the world. They surrender to the will of their flesh. They surrender to the will of their what? Sin. Sin. Every time that we turn our backs on the things that God has given us. Maybe God has pressed your heart at church and he's dealt with something. Maybe it's your dress. Maybe it's your, uh, your language. Maybe it's the music you listen to. Maybe it's the money that you're giving to church. Whatever it may be, God has dealt with you on something in your life. And when you tell God, no, what are you really surrendering to? Are you surrendering to the will of God or are you disobeying God's will? There's no gray area in doing God's will. There's not this little area that says, hey, I'm God doing God's will, but I'm not doing Satan's will. No, listen to me. You are either doing God's will or you're not doing God's will. There's no gray area. You can stand here and say, oh, I'm a good Christian. I come to church. I grab my King James Bible and I might even give a few uh, 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 dollars in the offering plate. But the question is, what are you doing the rest of the week? What are you taking God's will and what are you doing with it? Are you willing to say, well, what is God's will? What is God's will? God's will could be different for other people, but I can guarantee you this. God's will, it can be found in this, in his Word. In his Word, How do you weigh yourself and how you're being obedient to what God has asked you to do? Well, first of all, it starts with reading your Bible and praying, seeking God's face. I told my wife this morning, I said, sometimes I feel that when I get the chance to preach, I I want to preach something a little bit more meatier. And sometimes you probably feel the same way. I wish Brother Harold would get up there and preach something uh, that had a little bit more weight to it. But I really believe until we get the basics down and we have the understanding of Bible time and the understanding of prayer time and understanding of devotion time, it doesn't matter how much I preach on meatier things, it will never help this Christian church. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of joy and of a sound mind. When we're fearful of God and the things that God wants us to do, guess what? It's going to change our attitude to things that love that, we, uh, that um, the commandments that God has given us. And we're going to continue not just to fear God, but we're going to what? Love God. And when we surrender to God's will, we're not surrendering to a force that is evil or nefarious. But instead, we're surrendering to something that wants better for us. As I talked about today in Sunday school, I talked about the importance of what? Suffering. God does not put suffering in our lives because He's a a bully on an anthill taking a magnifying glass and burning the ants. That's not who God is. My friend, God loves you. God cares for you. God wants the best for you. He puts suffering and trials in your life to what? Bring Him closer to you or to Him. He wants you to understand, hey, I love you. I don't want you to fail as a Christian. I want you to draw closer to me. Christians, though, instead, they, they allow for steps in their surrender to the world. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, my favorite book. We just got through the book of James in Sunday school class. Now we're going through 1 Peter. But I love the book of James. Why? Because it's so practical. It's so practical. talks about the tongue. Yeah probably there before me. We're going to start reading verse 1. It says, from, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence of even of your lusts? That war in your members, ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye what? Ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterer. Adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain? The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil in verse seven. And he will what? Flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, the Lord, and he shall what? Lift you up. Some Christians today, they have gotten saved. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They've repented of their sin. But what has happened is is they have not completely surrendered over to God. God, it's kind of interesting in your Christian life, Well, how does it work with it? I mean, how, how do you start? Well, first of all, you, you, know, you might come and hear a message like this and you might get saved. Praise God. Amen. Woohoo! We're excited, right? And then what's the next step after that? Well, uh, you get saved and you know that God wants you to be baptized. So after reading God's word and understanding God's word, you say, Ah, uh, Pastor, I need to get baptized. If you haven't got baptized here today, I encourage you to. It's the second step in your Christian life. So you get up here and the pastor baptizes you. The Bible says, In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I baptize you. Right? And then what's the next step after that? Well, maybe you, you've got some issues with standards. And uh, maybe it's your dress, the way you're dressing. Maybe it's not modest enough, ladies. Maybe you're worldly in your dress. Maybe you're just learning everything that fits in with the world. I don't know. And maybe it's uh, giving. You decide, well, I need to start giving more. So I need to give what God the tithe that God expects. And you learn that. Well, then, then you start going on. You make some more decisions. And it, there comes a point where some Christians, they feel comfortable in the way they have been going. And so what happens? Well, I've done all this. You know, I've given up this. I've given up that. And so what happens is God comes to them and just like they did when he came to them about baptism, just like he came to them with salvation, just like he came to them about uh, the way they dressed, the music they listened to, or maybe the, the words that were coming out of their mouth. Those very same things that God dealt with their heart, they surrendered to. But when God brings something before them, some Christians deny God. I am not surrendering to the will of God today. And so, what happens with your Christian life? What happens whenever you deny yourself a power source? Take batteries out of a flashlight, what happens? There's no power, is there? Click, 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 right? Nothing happens. When you take water away from a plant, what happens? It shrivels up and dies. And just like the Christian that surrenders, does not surrender to the will of God and denies God, what does he really deny? They're denying the power source. They're denying the very thing that makes them a Christian. And before long, that same Christian who has said, I'm gonna surrender here, I'm gonna surrender here, I'm gonna surrender here, but no, I'm not gonna surrender there. They begin to die on the vine. One of the first things that you'll notice, and this is first point, steps of surrender to the world. One of the first things you'll notice, a Christian that is starting to die that is surrendering to the things of this world, that is surrendering to the flesh, surrendering to their sin, is first of all, their their apathy towards the things of God. What is apathy? Apathy. Honey, what's apathy? Indifference. Don't care. I'm not going to sweat it. It's not a big deal. Turn to James chapter 1 and verse 8. James chapter 1 and verse 8. It says in verse 8, it says, And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you stand before a holy and a just God, He's not going to say there's a gray area. He's going to say you're either going to do my will or you're not. There's no time to say, No, I'm just not going to surrender to God. And now's not the time. The Bible says today is what? The accepted day of salvation. Listen to me. Some of you are falling asleep in here. Maybe I'm just dry. But I know God's word isn't. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. What does it say in Romans 8 and verse 7? Danny, do me a favor. Get me some water, please. It says, because the carnal mind, let's start in verse 6. verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to law. God neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Listen to me. You cannot come to God in the flesh. When you stop surrendering to the will of God. Some of you here today have done that. You've stopped. You've stopped in your growth. You've stopped growing. You said you came across something that you did not want to surrender to. And you know what God does? Does he look on you very happily when you're like that? Some of you are receiving the judgment of the chastisement of God and you don't even realize it. God has come down and he spanked you. He's given you one of those uh, pine boards as we used to say when we were kids. He come down and whack Right upside on your, your backside. And what happens? Oh, you take it. And you keep taking it. God keeps on punishing you. He says, listen, listen. I want your attention. Listen, listen. My child, my goal is not for them to keep getting spankings. I want my child to someday grow up. And they want to listen to their father. They want to obey their father. They want to take time with what their father has to say. And so when I tell them to do something, I don't want to expect uh, until they're 18 years old. No, Dad, I don't want to listen to you. Now they don't do that. But when they're two or three years old and they tell me no, I deal with it. The next time they do it, I deal with it. And guess what happens? Eventually they realize, when I say no to Dad, oh, something hurts on my backside. And before long, guess what? Do they tell me no? Do they try to even get anything close to the being no? <laughs> I told my little, like got Kate and Cal in them. These are uh, little girls in training, and I, I love these little girls. They're so cute, and you know what? It's really hard to deal with them. Thank you, Dan. It's really hard to deal with them. You know, <laughs> I don't know which one it was. I got two of them going on at the same time, and so you know, I got one. I'm holding one. Maybe one's doing something, and I'll go no. And the one I'm holding starts crying because she thinks she's the one that did it. Ah! And then the one that did it starts crying, too, because she realized that God just characterized her. Ah! So I got two crying babies. You get two crying for the price of one. How about that? But you know what? God tells us no. And what do we do? Oh, man, I, I, I don't care. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. Your apathy towards the things of God. God has given us an ability to what? Be excited about what God's given us. You know, maybe there's a special. We got this special coming up, this Christmas special. What's your spirit towards that? You know, we got VBS every year. What's your spirit towards that? Uh, Brother Oscar does an nursing home. Or Brother Oscar has the memorization, first uh, memorization. What do you do? Excuse me. What do you do when Brother Oscar has a new verse? Is it your goal to memorize? Or are you like, ah, take it to leave it? is church itself is not a take-it-or-leave-it choice. Listen to me. When choice, church becomes a take-it-or-leave-it choice, listen to me. You're teaching your children something as well, my friend. You're teaching your children that it's not important. I remember when I was a kid and, and I was in the Southern... My parents were in the Southern Baptist Church. My dad was just a layman. He was just working there. And one time, he had gotten me a, uh, a compound bow, uh, bow and arrow for Christmas. I loved it. It was great. And I used to take that out and do target practice. You get my brother a BB gun, but that got taken away because he shot me with it. But you know what? I'd go out there and I'd practice. And one day, Dad came to me. He says, "Son, he says, I found this archery that has a uh, time for kids to go and practice at this archery range, and you and we could go to. You want to go? Oh yeah, Dad. Great, let's go. Guess what? Guess when it was? It was on a Wednesday night, church night. I remember going those first two or three times. No, it was fun. It was great. But I remember the third time my dad came to me and said, son, I can't do this anymore. I said, why not, dad? This is a lot of fun. He says, God wants us to be in church. That said a ton to me as a kid. That said dad meant it is important. Church comes first and foremost in our lives. I don't remember ever my dad ever. It was ever a question in my, in my mind that church, we would not go to church. It was always first and foremost. You say, well, Pastor, pastor, he's, he's super spiritual. No, he's not. He's just like you and me. He had to battle his flesh. He had to battle his desires. He says, no, I'm not going to live this way. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. He had to come to that conclusion himself, just like everyone in here. He had to make that decision. He had to make it important. I know that some of you have to work. I know some of you have- Uh, I have things going on. But let me tell you something. Church should be utmost importance. I've realized that uh, I worked for Pizza Hut for five years. And in those five years, I missed every Sunday night service. And God convicted my heart. And I started doing everything I could to try to find another job that would get me so that I could be here on Sunday nights. You know, God provided me one. Way better than I ever could have. God can provide as long as you surrender. But when you have a spirit of apathy, meaning you don't care, listen to me, God's going to say, why not? And that's one of the first signs that you're surrendering. You don't want to have your devotions. You don't care if you have your devotions or not. You don't care about praying or not. You don't care about coming to church or not. You don't care about anything that's spiritual. But instead, the things of the flesh become what? Very bright. Very large. I have to keep track of time. Secondly, second step for surrender is accept is acceptability of sin. Sin becomes very acceptable. Turn to Proverbs chapter twenty one and verse twelve. I'm not going to get through all this, but we're going to go quick. Proverbs chapter twenty one and verse twelve. Only hear one or two pages turning. Come on, people. Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs 21 and verse 12. That's what it's here for, right? Learn from God's Word. I'm sorry, 21 verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Turn to um, Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. The Israelites had a problem. What was their problem? They thought, hey, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. Where God says, only thing that matters is what I think. Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. What does it say? It says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that was right in his own eyes. Turn to Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. It says in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. What was the ponderance of this verse? What made people do what was right in their own eyes? What was missing? Oh, it was what a king? When you have no king in your life, when you don't have God in your life, when Jesus Christ is not the king in your life, listen to me. You're going to start doing what's right in your own eyes. Whatever is acceptable. Right? right? Well, you know what? It's not a big deal if, if you want to do this. Right? I've seen that so many times in my, in my, my, my life with the friends that I knew. I saw friends that were, were, uh, had the right standards. They had all the right stuff. They read their Bible. They prayed. And then slowly but surely they started to drift away from the things of God. And the things that they thought deemed very important became very uh, gray area. They could care less. And so before long, guess what? They they quit coming to church. They quit doing those things. And nowadays, I know that one of them just got divorced. And you say, why is that? It's because of the very thing here. They did what was right in their own eyes. This is what I think is right. Thirdly, the third step to surrendering to the world is an absolute surrender. Absolutely giving up, throwing in the towel. Turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. So listen to me, teenagers. This is for you too. Do you think that your parents are going to be there for the rest of your life? you think they're going to be over top of you for the rest of your life? No. Someday you're going to leave mommy and daddy and you're going to have to make, strike out on your own. What is your attitude going to be? Are you going to surrender to the world? Some of you won't even be a fight. Why? Because you're already in the world. You could care less about the things of God. Some of you are just falling asleep in this church service right now. You can't tell me that you're working too much. Because you don't work. You can't tell me that school is just too hard. I remember one time. uh, Dr. Vogelin here in CE. And he he would find someone falling asleep. And he says, did you work last night? (laughs) That kid would say, no. Then why are you falling asleep? Wake up. How embarrassing that was. But listen to me. When we're uh, going to give up and throw in the towel, turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. We'll read it. It says here Who changed the truth of God into a lie? Let's start in verse 23. Actually, we're going to go back on this one. Let's go back to 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became what? Vain. Vain see these girls on Facebook and they, put, they take pictures of themselves 24-7. It drives me nuts. Really? I don't want to see you doing that duck face. You know? it's Dumb. Super dumb. I don't want to see your face 24-7. But no, they instead become vain in their imaginations. In verse 22, their foolish heart was dark and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Amen? Bloody, you're not doing that, are you? She's laughing back there. She's not Brother Lewis, don't worry. Professing themselves to be what? Wise, they became fools. There's a lot of people that think they're wise in this world, don't they? Verse 23. And changed the glory of uncorruptible God into an image made like unto a corruptible man, into birds, into four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God what? Gave them up to their uncleanness. Through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies, and between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped, served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26 For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their woman did change that natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, and burned in their lust one toward another men working with men or men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them up to a what a reprobate mind what does reprobate mean reprobate means rejected condemned unapproved to do those things which are not convenient being filled with what all unrighteousness Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable. Implacable means unappeasable, unreconcilable, relentless, unmerciful. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Listen to me, folks. You say, well, this is a passage dealing with the homosexual. And it is. I'm not denying that. But you know what? And listen to me, teens. This is for you. Didn't we just talk about this today? The idea that some kids, maybe it wasn't today, maybe it was this week, kids that grow up in churches, when they leave God, they leave God hard. They leave God hard. They don't want anything to do with the things of God. Why? Because of this verse right here. They knew God. They know what God's all about. They sat in their preaching. But you know what happened? They allowed themselves to deny the God's very power. And before long, you know what happened? They didn't want anything to do with God. They didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't want to realize that God's judgment was upon them. So says, God says, OK, fine. You want to go after that? You go right ahead. I'll let you. And what happened? Boom. I can tell you probably. I fill up all my fingers here of kids that I know that went to church with me as a kid today. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to stop talking about this. Why? Because I really believe that kids in our church, if they don't get serious about the things of God, they're going to be just like this. And that goes for adults, too. You could be a part of this church. There's people in this church that were in part of this church from the very beginning. Were they today? Some of them moved away, and they're still serving God. Praise the Lord. But there's some that have no dealings with the things of God right now. There's kids that are part, people that were part of Independent Baptist Church when we first started back in 1997. Were they today? I saw a girl on Facebook the other day. I was just like, oh, broke my heart. I used to take this girl to school. Christian school. We used to be a part of every activity that I had in the church. Where is she today? There's no semblance of the things of God in her life. So, we talked about how you can surrender to the world. I don't have a lot of time. How do you surrender to the steps that are surrendering to the will of God? First of all, your awareness of the Holy Spirit's conviction. When you hear a message like this, and the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, the first thing that you do is you surrender. You say, oh, God's speaking to me. Samuel, when he was standing before, uh, when he was part of the temple, what happened? God called out his name, and what happened? The first thing he did was he's obedient. His first thought was, oh, Eli must be calling my name. I've got to be obedient. I've got to do what God wants me to do. So he runs to uh, Eli, and Eli says, don't wake me up, child. I'll sleep it. Go back. And it comes again, and Eli realizes that God was speaking to Samuel. He says, when he calls, he says, here am I, Lord. Here am I. Speak, for thy servant heareth, right? Eventually, what happened? Samuel became a huge benefit to the kingdom of Israel. First thing that you have to be aware of the Holy Spirit's conviction. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that any, by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. When we first have God's will, we bring everything under subjection. Subjection mean what? Subjection meaning that you are no longer your own, but you're God's. Bringing everything under subjection. Your body, your mind, what you do, what you watch, what you think, what you say. Everything's under subjection. Secondly, turn to um, Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. What does it say? Let every soul be subject unto what? The higher powers. For there is no power but what? Of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Listen to me. When you subject yourself... The powers that be, which are what? God. (laughs) Listen, you can think about it for a second. The average person in here, if they obeyed God in everything, would they be a better citizen? (laughs) They sure would, wouldn't they? If they obeyed God in every situation, they wouldn't cheat on their taxes, would they? Why? God doesn't want me to. My brother-in-law, Ben, he's probably going to hate that I said this he first got married, he was zealous, he was wasn't he, about his taxes? If he bought something in Indiana and didn't pay Illinois tax, wasn't it something like that? Oh, if he bought something online, he paid the tax, sales tax to the state of Indiana. How many people do that? I don't. But he was zealous about that. Why? Because he wasn't trying to please the state of Indiana. He was trying to please God. God has got a hold of his life. And he says, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. i zealous. When you're serving God, you don't really have to worry about the world. Why? Because you're going to be so zealous. Your property taxes are paying, you're, you're going to be obeying the law. You're going to be go- taking the speed limit. You're going to be putting on your seatbelt. Why? Because there's not, you're not trying to please uh, uh, President Barack Obama. You're not trying to please your state senator. I don't know what the state senator here is. Mark Kirk. Uh, You're not trying to uh, please your uh, governor, right? You're trying to please God. That is the most important person in your life. When you surrender, you're going to be what? You're going to be conscious. You're going to be aware of the Holy Spirit's dealings in your life. Secondly, the second thing in a step to surrendering to God is you're going to be angry over sin. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Turn there, Ephesians chapter 4. chapter 4 in verse um, 25. Start in verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness in what? True holiness. Wherefore what? Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. If we are members one of another. Verse 26. Be angry in what? Sin not. Let not the Son go down upon your wrath, and neither give place to the devil. How can you be angry and not sin? And not sin? I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been angry in your life. Praise God if you haven't. But I can be a man of anger. <laughs> I can lose it. My wife knows. Good thing she loves me. But I can be an angry man. Not always for the right reasons. What's a good way reason to be angry? Be angry of your sin. Man, you do something wrong. You do everything in your power to make sure you don't do it again, right? You you just you you make it happen. Turn to uh, James. I'm sorry, not James. Yes, James, four verses seven and eight. This is our text passage today. James chapter four, verse seven and eight. This is a good ver- verse to uh, commit to memory, Brother Oscar. You should throw this one in here. I know we did one of them. Verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts. What? Ye double-minded. Be afflicted. Mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. What is he saying? Do everything you can to realize that your sin is stopping you from that relationship with God. When you're real about stopping sin and hating sin and anger at your sin, what will you do? I hate losing money. How many likes to lose money in here? I don't think anybody likes to lose money. Do you know what? I was working downstairs in my basement and I was putting up the ceiling and... They have these holes that I had to put in for the speakers and the lights. And I did the first one. I got this new machine. It's a rotary machine. And there's the way it's, it's kind of funny how it all works out. And I tried to put that in. Man, I screwed that thing up. That was a $25 board. I was so mad at myself. I was kicking myself. I remember well, the first time we got that Sienna Minivan. And we <laughs> it has that automatic door on I remember, man, shoot. We got up. We pulled in the mom and dad's, and there's this grill that's sitting real close to it. Me, the, uh, the, uh, the dumbling fool that I am, uh, I opened the automatic door not thinking about the grill that's sitting right next to it. And it was just big enough, or the spot that, the, that I parked right next to the grill was just big enough so that the door could go through. But it, as it goes through, it caught a piece of metal. All the way down the side of the van. I was sick. I think I heard I was jumping up. No, 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 no. I was so mad. Because I think that was the second time I did it. I was mad. Listen to me. I never did that again. I didn't open the door if there was something next to it. Why? Because I hate losing money. When we're angry at sin, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we're not going to do it again. We're going to put it in foolproof. I work for Solaire Corporation. They would talk about how that they would do processes. And one of the processes was, was to make it so idiot proof that a, a knucklehead could figure it out. He couldn't mess it up if he wanted to. They'd have checks and balances that would make it easy so that, you know, in the, in the manufacturing process, no mistakes would be made. And I remember that, thinking about that and thinking and applying about that through our Christian lives. Man, if there's a problem, you have a problem with the sin. Don't make, don't make an area for it to happen. Right? I, I think you know what I'm talking about. You'll find ways, everything you have, to stop that sin in your life. Let's move on. Lastly, the last step that, just like the last step in surrendering to the world, is the same with the last step to surrendering God. Absolute surrender. Absolute surrender. Let God take the wheel. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. How many know, know that by heart? Don't look. It's a good verse to add by memory. Who knows that by heart? It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Nobody knows it? Brother Oscar, you know that? You know Mohan? Go ahead, say it for me. Oh, holy. Holy and acceptable. Which is? Holy and acceptable unto God, which is? And B? Good job. I think it was perfect. Doesn't it start perfect? Okay, you got those a little bit switched up. Good job, Mohan. Thank you. Yeah. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. It says, you're a become a what? Living Sacrifice. Living sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I don't know any sacrifice back in the old days when they, when they had sacrificed the lambs. What would they do? Listen, once they got to hold of that lamb, that lamb was nothing else but theirs, wasn't it? It was God's. That lightning came down. The fire came down. That lamb was no longer. But he was saying, no longer are you a dead sacrifice. Listen to me, you're going to be a what? A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? reasonable service when you are acceptable unto God listen to me there's no other way to but to be holy and right and just God is going to take your life and he's going to transform it you're going to be completely surrendered over to him what's another verse here Romans, or Romans chapter 6 and verse 13 Romans chapter 6 and verse 13 Says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey in the lust thereof. Neither what yield ye your members as what instruments of what unrighteousness unto sin? But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under what grace. Listen to me, folks. If you lost everything from this point on, you didn't hear a thing. Listen to this one thing. Surrendering to God means absolute surrender. That means there's no spot, there's no corner left unturned. You are going to do everything you can. As David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my what? what, Thoughts. See if there be any what? Wicked way within me. You're going to take the very things that God has given you in your life. You're going to obey them. You're going to say, "Okay, God, what's next? What do you want me to do when you're zealous? You're you're saying, I'm not going to let anything go. I'm going to be completely surrendered to God's will. I'm going to do everything he wants me to do. There's nothing going to be unturned. There's the old story of of a a, a lady that uh, has a Jesus come into her house and. He says, well, I want to see your house. Okay, God. And she shows him the best rooms. She shows him the living room. Right, amen, honey? Amen. The living room. We got this basement done downstairs, and now she's got a living room that's clean because the little girls play downstairs and all the toys are downstairs. Hallelujah. Right? Well, show showing the living room, right? Ladies, Miss Juanita has a nice little living room. I've been in her house. You go in going, it's real clean, real nice. Right? Amen. Uh, uh, she's probably saying, "Oh, you should see it now, brother." <laughs> no, you know, uh, you take him in the living room. Oh, maybe even the kitchen, right, ladies? Maybe you're really good at it. And the kitchen looks just super nice. And, and, and but one of the places that are really bad, you don't take them to the kids' room, right? Right, that messy bedroom. Those children, and you know, they got the toys spread out everywhere. My room, uh, uh our room is real clean. She might even take it into that room. But you know what? There's that mess, messy closet, right? She doesn't want to show him that messy closet. Why? Oh, you don't want to see that, God. Why not? I want every part of your life. When we are surrendered, every part of our life is going to be shown. We're going to say, I don't care. God, you show me. Change my heart. Change my life. I'm done. Things that willingly surrender... Because of sin. When you willingly surrender to sin, things that will happen that you will surrender off to of yourself, your life will be changed. You surrender to sin, listen to me, everything gives over to sin. And us and Sapphire is a perfect example. They gave over to sin, what happened? God judged them, didn't He? They fell down dead. I don't think I want to go that way. What about your family? Think about King David. He had, to kill his only, he had to kill his only son, or one of his sons. Not just only one of his sons, but that one son killed many other sons. How would you like that? When you surrender to sin, you surrender your family. When you surrender to sin, you surrender your church. You give up on church. You give up on the people of your church. Don't you think it's great when you have other people that come and party church and excited about the ministries, excited about doing the things of God? I know something else that you give up when you give up when you willingly give over sin is your pastor. Think about it for a second. sometimes being a leader is a lonely spot. Why is that? Because he's always trying to encourage others. Who's encouraging him? Who's helping him? Who's, who's doing it? How many of you invited your pastor over to your house? I got a blessing. I have my pastor, and my dad is the same guy. But listen to me, how many of you invited a pastor over your house recently? Encourage him. All right? I'm not saying I'm not done doing it just because of my father, but I do think he needs to be encouraged. Hey, pastor, how are you doing? Maybe a little note, just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Maybe invite him over for some coffee. Amen? Good Baptist likes coffee. Or cappuccino for that matter. All right. What is encouraging? When you give over to sin, listen, to you could care less about your pastor. You could care less about the people in your church. You could care less about your family. Satan has just totally destroyed your mind. All you can think about is who? Yourself. Things you willingly surrender when you surrender to God. When you surrender to God, the first thing that you're going to surrender is your sin. Romans 12.1 fits that bill, doesn't it? Secondly, the second thing that you surrender is your pride. Proverbs 6, verse 16. We'll turn that real quick. Proverbs 6, verse 16. Someone stand and read that for me. Proverbs 6 and verse 16. Someone stand and read that for me, please. was that first one? Read that again. The first one that God hates? 16, the Lord hates and and no, what's the first thing he hates on that list? A proud, look. proud look. Man, when you get, when you, thank you, Ralphie, when you surrender to the will of God, the first thing that goes is your pride. Why? Because you realize you can't do it. You realize that you don't have the power. You realize that in your own life, in your own sin, guess what happens? You're just a dumb idiot. You say, Brother Harold, that's some ruffian language there. But it's the truth. You're just a knucklehead. You can't do it. Turn to first Peter chapter five and verse five. First Peter chapter five and verse five. It says in verse 5, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. ye all of you subject one to another be clothed, what? With humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Pride is the first thing that goes. Or second thing that goes. And thirdly, the things of this world. You're going to willingly surrender the things of this world. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. Says here, because the carnal mind is enmity of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So then, that are they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but they that are in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And verse six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. You want to have. The things that God's given you. If you want to surrender to the right people, surrender to God in His will. Will it be rough? Yes. Will it be hard? Yes. But the peace of God passeth all understanding. When you, pastors, have been talking about the idea of peace, having peace in your heart, it starts right here. Surrendering to God's will. Teenager, how about it? We've had a really good week an empowered youth. We got to hear some good preaching. What have you done since then? What are the decisions that you've made? What have you done with them? Adults? Maybe you're just you're just content in your ways. You know, you're coming to church. You might read your Bible, might pray. But really there's nothing outside. You're just going through the motions. What have you done with that today? What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you surrendering to it? Are you saying, No, I'm gonna do my own thing? Are you doing what's right in your own eyes? God knows. Why not take today and say, I'm going to make it afresh. I'm going to make it new. Things, God, I'm going to have what? A revival in my heart today. I'm going to change. I hope that's your attitude. Let's stand together as the instruments come and pre- uh, play. Let's pray and ask God to bless this invitation. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful so much that you have given us uh, uh, the ability, Lord, to understand when we're out of sync with your will. I pray.